Welcome to the Docs Who Lift podcast, where we distill and simplify the complexities of a healthy lifestyle, exercise, medicine, and weight loss. We're excited to bring you a podcast that's a prescription for clinical practice, scientific recommendations, and just real life. This this is the Docs Who Lift podcast. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Docs Who Lift podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nedelsky. I got my co-host here, Dr. Carl Nedelsky Jr. And today we're going to be talking about the outrage, the outrage, it's always outrage, that is of genetics, the genetics of obesity. Now, the reason this comes up, my friends, is because there is a 60 Minutes clip with what's her face? I don't remember her name, but on with 60 Minutes. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. No, but the other, the, the interviewer, I don't remember her name, but it doesn't matter. But oh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Fatima Cody Stanford, who's a Harvard uh, physician, uh, obesity specialist, uh, heavily involved with research, who was saying that, and they, I don't know how they splice this up, but basically said the number one cause of obesity is genetics. And you have a 50 to 80% chance of having the disease of obesity if your parents have obesity, even if you have an optimal lifestyle and the interviewer or whatever her name is was like really wow okay so the outrage that's leslie that's, St- leslie stall leslie stall <laughs> yeah Stahl. everybody on on my comments you know we're like she's she's always blowing up media whatever i don't really it doesn't matter so the thing to understand oh, they said that about leslie stall yeah they, they i don't know I don't, oh. i'm not into the whole media thing but anyway oh, they God. she's known for doing whatever but who knows? It's a big corporation. I'm not sure what the deal is. Dr. Stanford's a very smart uh, person, a physician researcher. So we don't think that she's saying that environment and food don't matter. I think the the it's possible the way that the the clip was construed was um, done so in a way to make it more extreme. I, I'm not. I'm not. Ex- and well, and and also, I mean, you got to think she's she's sitting there under the spotlight with with a nationally, you know, like recognized, um, globally watched program, yeah, right. And and <clears throat> all of us who are in the obesity space are trying to convey to the public that our genetics are a huge problem, right? Yeah, and and because because there's so much antagonism out bias, there, you know, stigma. against medications and certain, yeah, there's a ton of obesity bias and stigma. And so I can imagine in her mind, you know, she's out there to try to focus on, yes, our genetics are a really big problem as to why this is a problem right now. And, um, and how, and how it came out, uh, you know, sounded a little bit more extreme and yeah, who knows what they did with the sound bites and whatever to make it even more extreme. Um, but I can, I'm very confident knowing her a little bit. And, and, uh, you know, I've, I've even talked with her on hey, some, you're, you're, you were just on a few interviews with yeah, her. I was, I was just on a, Mo, a med page today, uh, yeah. interview with her, you know, a month or two Literally ago. chatting together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and she's very, I mean, we're on the very much the same page yeah. and I guarantee she's all she about knows. emphasizing lifestyle. There is a lot of nuance though, when we dig into these statistics, um, you know, talking about genetic science and, and epidemiology and all these things. It, it is, it's complex so, and it's not black and white. At the, right. So, okay. So here's the deal. Everybody, uh, everybody, tons of people on the internet were outraged. They're like, are you kidding me? Our genes did not change over the past 
50 years. And so I, I you know, I did a little you, uh, video for this for Instagram and a few other things and basically showed here's the prevalence, 1975. It just shows this huge increase in prevalence since 1975. And people show the pictures of the beach in the 1950s compared to now and all this stuff, which that's not good data. We should look at the actual statistics there and like in the graph. And so I posed the question, did our genetics change over the past 50 years? And everybody said, no, I made these little polls. And so then what caused the change in our in adiposity or obesity prevalence? And everybody said, the environment. True. And so the way that I switched it up and basically posed like, but what about those people that are very lean despite having no effort and, and living in our current environment and having a poor lifestyle? what caused them to, to stay lean? And everybody said, well, it's their genetics. So, yeah. so, oh. it's, so, so, so it's, and so it's, in, so it's, so <laughs> it's a bias. It's, it's, it's a bias. It, so, it, it exposes the press. What's, what's, I will also point out how the hell you have time to do this because I didn't even see this poll you said you posted. <laughs> so how you have time to do because that? Because I'm is, a meme doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. I mean, so it, 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 it was very important because it's, it's, you know, that's how I kind of spread awareness now. Yeah. Granted, the thing is, it's like, well, but of course the environment caused it. Cause that's the only thing that changed in 1975. It's like, no, the, the thing is there's this something called a gene environment interaction. So uh, we talk about this, uh, George Bray, I'm, I, he's the first one I heard ever say this, Yeah, I, but it is what well, I, I, I looked it up to make sure that it seemed to be correlated and it does, you know, the genetics, it does, uh, we call it genetics uh, load the gun, the environment pulls the trigger. Like, so if we had, if we all lived in the same environment we did in the 1960s or fifties and below obesity, like if we lived back then, the, the obesity wouldn't be pr- prevalent. The thing is these, the way our genes work and how it interacts with the environment is that like people still had variability in their adiposity and body composition back then. It was just small variations. When you introduce this new environment, those who are really prone to the obesity still had higher weights back then, higher adiposity back then, just small little changes though. Then it it gets exaggerated when you put people into this uh, obesogenic environment uh, you know, what we would say mostly easily overeaten, very yummy, high calorie foods, uh, among other things, there's yeah, other the processed foods, the, the hyper palatable foods and, and, you know, maybe even endocrine disrupting chemicals, all yeah, these other maybe, things. Maybe that it all adds up. I don't know. Dry, you know? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, yeah. So, so I, I think people don't understand. They're like, okay, nobody, nobody forced that person to go to McDonald's, uh, three times a week though. Nobody, nobody forced that person to eat a donut instead of the apple, uh, f- for and, lunchtime and drink sugary beverages. And so you might be sitting there. Some people might be listening going, yeah, that's true. Well, like nobody's forcing them to do it. The, it I, unless you have experienced it, you don't really understand. And like we, I, I technically with from a BMI, it was, I think it was around 30 in college because I was a heavyweight, but I forced myself up there. My genetics, I, I'm naturally a leaner guy, but I've had so many patients explain what they call the food noise. And imagine you have like an itch that like, mm-hmm. you know, some people it kind of goes away pretty easily. Other people kind of get stronger and stronger. You just have to scratch it. Imagine that. But in your brain, it's like, it's drawing you towards these foods that otherwise wouldn't be available back 
in the day at very high portions um, right. throughout. So imagine having that drive all the time into where it's like you at least you give in. Yeah, being always exposed to yeah. them, you know, like it's readily available. Yeah. So them. I mean, so I always talk about Donut Dan. Donut Dan comes to the comes to your office, and you're like, you're like, I'm trying to stay lean, or I'm trying to lose weight and keep it off. And you're you have your apple, you have your protein shake, whatever. Donut Dan comes in, and and you might be able to stay away from from it for a while until it's just always there and it's it's calling to you. That's that's kind of the environment. You can do your best to try to stay away from it and you can work towards it, but it's like a it's this voice, it's that food noise saying, "Go eat it, go eat it." And you can try to fight against that. But those with uh, these genetics that kind of predispose they are at higher risk now. And and maybe altered, you know, metabolic uh, flexibility and all that stuff too. And then, it, you know, you combine it with the differences in physical activity and lifestyle and it throws a whole nother yeah. different. Uh, the one thing we do it. want to address though, is that the part where she said, even with an optimal lifestyle, and I think my brother put it best, we were interviewed, we're getting interviewed by lots of journalists. And so if you're a journalist listening to this, uh, we're always available um, to take Really fun quotes from us, but um, usually available. Usually available. I'm always available because I'll make a meme about it right afterwards. <laughs> uh, but but the thing is, what what she probably should have said, and again, this is the media being in the spotlight, is optimal diet and lifestyle efforts. Like even with your optimal efforts, because not despite your effort, yeah. it, it can be extremely hard to follow. It's, it, yeah. Efforts different than actually doing it, it being done, yeah. especially the dietary part. I think so. I, I like that quote that you gave uh, one of the reporters because uh, that does, I think that pulls in the nuance of like what she, I think that's what she probably meant because there's no way. Yeah. If you're in a calorie deficit, we talk, and this is why people say if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose weight despite your genetics. And that's technically true. Yeah. I mean, unless you have some lipodystrophy and, and, and that, uh, well, plays and a that's whole, a totally different, totally, that's not even that's, what we're right, talking about. Not, yeah. That's not even a, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about common obesity or even, well, we can talk about the spectrum of genetic predisposition next. Yeah. But yeah. So, so yeah. So basically if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose fat. It doesn't matter like your genetics in, in general. Um, I, I will say. And so like when somebody when you say like, even with an optimal lifestyle, it's like, well, technically an optimal lifestyle, we'd be back in the fifties when nobody had, where the obesity prevalence was low. Or, or a thousand years ago when we die of bacterial disease at age 34. Yeah. Unfortunately. So we, we would be. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, okay. So let's, let's talk about the spectrum of, of genetic predisposition to obesity. Cause I think this, this maybe is where the nuance needs to be discussed a little bit. Because yeah, you get these sound bites on sixty minutes, and and then it's like one extreme or the other, and it's not black or white. So on one end of the the spectrum, uh, and we did have we did do a podcast on some of the monogenic obesities, right? Or did we not? Really I don't do think that? so. I, can't remember. I don't think so. So so on one end of the spectrum, we do have these relatively rare, maybe not as rare as what we once thought, um, genetic mutations in single genes up in the area of our hypothalamus and our brain that really controls mostly the appetite, lack of satiety, et cetera, not so much of the metabolism. And those are relatively rare. And those types of patients, you know, they may have other uh, problems, you know, uh, learning disabilities, different types of, um, you know, uh, uh, reduced cognition and, and some other medical complications. And then there are some what we call syndromic disorders that are over on that side of the spectrum, one of which people uh, might know of about uh, uh, Prader-Willi, Prader-Willi. Mm -hmm. 
um, where these kids, they develop significant appetite and hunger issues, you know, early, early, early in life, you know, soon after. Yeah, we talked about this in the pediatric guide, our first pediatric yeah. guideline, where people, they have to lock their, they have to, people have to lock their cabinets. And and that's literally like a treatment for Prader-Willi, yeah. right? That's what I think that's like recommended. I mean, I remember people talking about this and again, we, we just talked to a pediatrician. We're not pedi- I'm not a pediatrician for sure, but I do end up seeing these patients when they're adults. Um, and you know, now we have a very specific medication that does help to bridge the gap for some of those genetic, um, monogenic diseases of obesity, but those kids have severe obesity at youth, Mm -hmm. no matter what the parents try to do, the kids will seek and find energy to take in that overwhelms their energy balance, putting them at high, you know, adiposity and growth. And then the risk of the obesity related complications as they get older, um, and luckily now we do it. We have a special medication that bridges some of those gaps, not all of them, mind you, um, uh, called set melanotide that that's good for, uh, you know, melanocortin for no, no people don't care. It doesn't matter, case, but it doesn't, matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. But then, then you have this spectrum. So then there are like heterozygous mutations of some of these that, that are a little bit down the spectrum a little bit. And then you have what I would consider maybe almost the bell shaped curve, you know, the most of the population, but there's this huge spectrum of these, you know, genetic, uh, you know, uh, differences in, in, um, all the different genes that play a role. So they call it polygenic, right? So yeah. poly meaning many different genes working against people. And that's a huge spectrum. You know, some people really struggle with it. Some people not so much. And that's where lifestyle efforts we've seen in some of these, what they call genome wide association studies can help mitigate that now, but it's not perfect. You know, I think if you look at the statistics, it's like the exercise and nutrition interactions that that what you call the the gene environment interactions, Mm -hmm. it can mitigate, you know, like something like 40%. I think I saw that statistic. So there are still those who, despite what we think is an optimal effort at diet and and, and exercise, et cetera, they're still going to have obesity. And we see that in some of the twin studies, which actually that, you know, twin studies are a good example for people like the lay people to understand. Um, And we have a lot of data for twins that are separated at birth. It's it's amazing how much data we have from this. And despite having completely different upbringings and living lifestyles and all this stuff, they end up having the very, very similar builds, very similar weights, very similar builds, very similar weights, very similar physiques, despite what they're doing. And then if you go all the way to the other side of the spectrum, suddenly we get the people that everyone complains about. Well, my God, that guy doesn't do anything. He eats like garbage, doesn't exercise. And yet somehow he maintains lean. This, sometimes this a lean physique. Almost under, it might not almost underweight yeah, and sometimes. Right. And now it might not be healthy, mind you. Yeah. Right. But we're talking about adiposity. And so for whatever reason the, in their genetics, it predisposes them to really balance out that sort of that energy balance set point. We always talk about where, you know, if they overeat, then suddenly they're going to undereat their metabolism kind of tries to match it and they stay very low fat or skinny or whatever it is, you know, kind of gets into the, you know, growing up being into weightlifting and all that stuff. You always hear about the hard gainers, you know, guys trying to gain weight and there's some who just stay kind of skinny and it's hard to gain weight. It's, it's the same thing. The genetics play, they're powerful. Yeah. Appetite. So imagine someone that just eats McDonald's all the time, but they don't gain weight. A lot of it is because they don't actually eat 
as much as we think they do. They may they may eat one meal at McDonald's and the rest of their day it's like they're eating maybe two thousand calories in the day. Yeah. They may have when you when you do overfeeding studies in some of these individuals, mm-hmm. they have resistance yeah. to to gaining adiposity. They may yeah. they may increase their their non exercise activity thermogen. There's lots yeah. of different mechanisms. What we call fidgety. They're 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 just fidgety. They're always moving, even though you don't. They're not exercising. They're just they're just moving around. Some of the data even shows they may not absorb as many calories, so they're just mm-hmm. pooping it yeah. out. All all sorts well, of different things. Doctor, oh, uh, that gets into the gut, the gut microbiome. There is something to that that people always talk yeah. about. We don't know how to do anything with that yet. But. Interesting stuff. So this is this is where I think the stigma is strong. Where it's like, no, this is a self responsibility. And it and it needs to be taken care of by the individual. What, whatever happened to self responsibility? It's like, well, what about these people that are resistant to obesity? They're just they're okay. They're fine. Yeah, they, they don't get a free to, pass. They even though they pass. might not be healthy, they might be doing things that are very unhealthy. So, yeah. and we're not saying that you're doomed to your genetics. That's the other thing. That's a it's a straw man. They're like, oh, you're just, you're saying we should give up. It's like, no, just understand no. that people are having differences in the toughness and ability to stick to a certain lifestyle yeah. given a certain uh, environment. Again, if we could all go back in time and live in a in an era where this food wasn't readily available, we didn't have certain technologies we have today, uh, which I would never want. I, I I actually love living in today's life. Everybody thinks everything's getting worse. I think everything's getting better. I, I love the technology. Seems to screw me over I, every day. I, I don't. I just know got that. locked out of Facebook again because some. I think someone's trying to hack me to yeah, to post quackery or something. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's. I think that's because you went onto some. This should be good. To some <laughs> some seedy websites. <laughs> that, I knew sure, that. that was so obviously about to come out of your mouth. That everyone knew it. Anybody listening to this knew that that was coming. <laughs> we, I mean, we, ben, we all knew it's true. <laughs> it's not. And you can't even deny it. <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. In fact, I can see the vortex going on through the screen right now. Oh my god, I just got fired again. But so, but but like, so I lo- I love the tech. Like the fact that I can order. First of all, I'm in a right now. I'm living in a rural area. It's not not for long. Six months. I'm going to be out of here. I want to be able to order shawarma straight to my door oh my in god. 20, 20 minutes by a few flicks of my this thumb. Is- this is part a, of the our obesogenic environment. A, a few flicks of my a, thumb. That's not a good thing. No, but I, I want to be able to do it. Now, the problem is, though, it's a flip. Uh, my I have favorable <laughs> genetics and favorable habits built from our childhood. Right. I've I can get away with this, and I I love shawarma. Right. I'll freaking I'll I'll throw that garlic freaking olive oh, oil God. stuff all over my food and just oh. high amounts of fat. Take my statin and azetamibe and everything. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. But anyway, I can do this. But those with ob- with obesity related genes, it it's strong. I, I've done yeah. I've done podcasts with with patients actually, and we should get them on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But they describe it in in certain ways where now they're you know they're on one of these GLP one medicines where yeah. it's like it stopped the they call it the food noise. Like I yeah. can now just do what I know I need to do. I know. Yeah. And, and know. they feel, they, they say they feel normal yeah. or they say, this is what it's like to feel normal. Yeah. Wow. They and know. it's, and it's, it's fascinating and enlightening. You, you don't have to be a, an obesity yeah. specialist endocrinologist to know that, Hey, maybe we should probably be eating broccoli instead of those French fries. Does it, does right. it take, I don't think it takes a genius to, to know that most people know this stuff and most people didn't even have to know it. In back when our environments were shaped a certain way, it just we we I, I like the book Switch. I believe it's that book Switch where we talk about how we're riding an elephant, and we can have some little control over where we go, but it's not like a horse. The elephants are going to go in the path that their um, 
that's made for them. So they talk about shaping your environment. Our environment is really hard to shape on a macro level. Like how we're going to, how we're going to shape it. We're going to have to do food policies and all sorts of different stuff. So you give them a medicine that helps them then control their own path and walk through uh, this path. It's, it's an interesting thing. On the other hand, so to go back to a little bit of the counterpoint of what came across from uh, Dr. Fatima Stanford is, you know, when it, when it, sounded like she said, despite an optimal lifestyle. So yeah. back to those, the genome-wide uh, association studies, the FTO, loci, whatever, and, um, and you know, at, you know, 40 to 50% or whatever, we really can do a lot of good for preventing obesity with lifestyle efforts. So improving, you know, our nutrition, the habits, our exercise habits from an early age, we, we really need to find a way to do a better job of prevention because it's, it's much easier to prevent than to treat. And that's where, you know, the problem, once people have obesity, especially when you have the The genetic predisposition, it is really hard. The biology, obesity, uh, protects obesity. And that gets into the set points that we've talked about now. And then on the other hand, there are some who very clearly are able to change their lifestyle and respond to it well and then do great. But it's, it's actually probably the minority based on the studies, you know, it's more like, you know, whatever, 15 to 30% of people in the studies can, can really do that to a a meaningful degree. So on a small, on a short term level, by the way, this is, this is so much more complex than anybody gives credit to. And and it's a huge spectrum of genetic risk all the way from really, there's not much you can do about it without addressing the genetic deficiencies to those who can get away with seemingly poor lifestyle choices, um, and, and not have excess adiposity. Again, health matters despite what your weight is though. So lifestyle always matters. Yep, always. absolutely. And I think we need to make sure we do continue to focus on it without stigmatizing or, or shaming those who are just having a, a hard time sticking to it. And that's it. So, you know, hopefully people under, you know, got a sense after listening to this, the issues of the genetics. It doesn't mean you're doomed, again, unless you have one of those monogenic deletions, which is pretty rare. Um, most people with common polygenic uh, genetics for obesity, uh, you're not doomed if you have a good lifestyle, but it may make things tougher. There are tools, GLP-1 agonists, other types of medicines that may be able to help if needed. Um, but again, I think we just wanted to address the outrage and all this type of stuff. So anything else, Dr. Carl? No, I, I think that's, that's right on the money. And, um, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I feel like we could illustrate like graphically this like spectrum of genetic risk and stuff. I don't know that I've seen anything like that. Yeah, out there, there's a few things out there. Something but like that. But um, cool. you know, maybe we can post a picture with this or something. Very good. All right. Here's our outro. This podcast is for entertainment and education and information purposes only. Remember, the physicians on this podcast are not your physician. It should not be considered professional or personalized medical advice. It should not be used to replace speaking with your physician or medical professional to discuss your specific health concerns. The topics discussed should not be used solely to diagnose or treat any condition. As a result, we are not responsible for any unwanted medical outcomes. The views and opinions discussed are of those of the host only and do not represent those of any other entities. Thank you